Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Foundation by Story Archives. I am your host, Mario Busto, alongside Zachary Newton, your other host. Welcome back. I think all of you out there are doing the same thing or asking the same question we are. Who the hell is Hober Mallow to this plot? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I I asked myself that a few times in this episode, actually, but uh, Warden's not asking that anymore. I like it. It's getting epic. I love the characters that come out of nowhere and that are, um, that they get built up before you see them on screen. You know, if you've ever yeah. seen like uh, Apocalypse Now and they, you know, Colonel Kurtz, they, you know, they they hype up this like colonel who lost his mind and in the middle of the jungles of Vietnam and, you know, he's become like this rogue person that they need to eliminate. Mm-hmm. I like this, this Hober Mallow. We're building up an actual concrete villain. And it seems the empire is done away with 150 years from now. Uh, it does seem that way. Um, I don't know when they've, they've actually been, what was it, pierced in the side by something? Is that is that the way that I heard that? Hober um, Mallow seems to be the yeah. guy who's going to bring down the empire. So that's according wow. to the mule, the futuristic mule who picks up Gale and grabs her by the neck to choke her. Interesting stuff going on. There's definitely some myst- mystical, uh, interesting gifts going around, whether it's Gale's intuition or Salvor's ability to see the past or hear voices calling to her from afar. Mm-hmm. Um, we also get this mule's ability to... It's almost like um, if you've seen Harry Potter and yeah. how... Spoiler alert, you have three seconds to leave before I spoil something major in Harry Potter. Three, two, one. All the adults in the room now? Okay. Um, Voldemort splits his soul into Horcruxes, and Harry's able to look into... He's able to spy on Voldemort if he's able to uh, use his power correctly. Why? Because there's a piece of him inside of him too, right? In a way, the mule has that ability, like the way Voldemort knows when Harry is watching. He has this... The mule has this ability to know that Gale is peering from 150 years prior to um, to that, whatever's occurring. We don't even know what city that's on. Maybe Terminus, what, maybe what a different planet. planet. Yeah, I have no idea what planet it is. Yeah, that's what I meant to say, planet. But we do see that Salvor is dead. So if the, if the course can be corrected for everything else, we can maybe hope that Salvor is going to be spared as well. I think that's the case, right? Like, I think th- this is the version of the future that would happen if you had no knowledge of the future, right? Like, this is kind of why we keep that one foundation in the dark, right? It's because you can predict the mass if you don't alert them of what is going to happen, right? So, I do think it's possible that now that uh, Gale and Salvor and Harry, although I'm sure Harry knew it, decent amount of, of this at, to begin with uh knows what is going to happen and some of the events that will transpire they should be able to manipulate that i mean that would be my understanding i don't i don't think this show locks you in a world where you are you are tied to this predefined outcome and you can't break away from it i, I think that there is opportunity here for for salvo to not die i think so too uh, we also got a little bit of hope that not everybody is dead from the past because we uh, have a little reunion with Polly, the little boy. Remember the little boy from season one, uh, the little yeah, Indian little boy. That's that's who the cleric was. That's who the cleric was. I was tra- I was thinking to myself, I'm like, is that Polly? Yes. Okay. 
All so right. Pa- so Polly is now a drunk, drug-addled high cleric who has invented, or he didn't invent it, but it seems to have been a political machination, maybe from Sir Mac, maybe from another ruler of the foundation prior to his rule, mm-hmm. um, to create this church of the galactic spirit and make this church out of Harry Selden. And it's almost a little wonky and, and funny to the point where they're on this planet Savena. And I could, I did, they never mentioned Sivana. the girls. What? I think, they, I think they pronounced it Sivana. Not, not like a V. Not a V? No. You sounded almost Spanish there, Zach, and I was impressed. Thanks. I've uh, been practicing uh, All right. German, so I don't know how that worked, but okay. Yeah, I don't think that really goes. But <laughs> so, so Wena? Yeah, that's, that's the way that I heard it when um, okay. Cleric or Polly uh, said it out loud. All right, so Wena. Anyways, uh, I don't know what the girl's name is, who's Cermak's daughter, the magician's apprentice, because we come in contact with the magicians that... Uh, Cleon the 17th was talking about in episode one about these mm. magicians in the outer reach, you know? These yeah. are the magicians and they're not that impressive. They're just using technology that these kind of Neanderthal people on Sawena use. I mean, they're, they're some of the most idiotic citizens ever. They, they're at one point, they're with the cowboy looking <laughs> yeah. resistance and then at yep. another point, they're clapping for the show and then at another point, they're laughing at their guy being thrown in the water and... It's like I mean, walking into like a, a, a city from Red Dead Redemption, right? Like you're back in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it felt like. It was weird. Like this kind of weird Wild West town with this, with these people who are against these magicians who are really just a recruitment party for the foundation itself. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not quite sure, you know, how many planets are like this. I, I hope this uh, this isn't the standard for all planets that they've been recruiting from. But No, it does remind see. me of Dune a little bit, though, because that's sort of the way they talk about uh, the religion and the prophecies in Dune. It's, it's almost like a narrative, you know, it's a myth that they use to unify the people towards, towards a cause. At least that's the way I, I understand uh, Dune in some ways. Um, yeah. Okay, so they have this order, but, you know, let's talk about Synax because we get the reckoning with Gale, right? And yeah. on the ship, we find out lots of things, if you can rewind it there. Uh, we find out, well, what we know, but he informs Gale that Ga- Harry's been conscious the entire time that Gale stole his consciousness. So, we can assume that episode one, what we're seeing of Harry in his mental time chamber mm-hmm. situation, we can assume that that's 138 years of torment he's enduring. in there right and when he actually wakes up and steps into the ship he is finally awoken it took him about 138 years to grapple with understanding this new reality right which is insane like completely insane and i'm I'm guessing that his conscious was locked in that knife Um, yes and when she took it he was no longer in control of the ship so i guess that's why we did see that explosion at the end of the uh first season i wasn't quite sure what that was but i think that's that's 100 confirmed at this point I should have made that a wager last episode because I was on the money. But um, <laughs> <laughs> No, but good for, for them that there was not on the knife anymore because Salvor goes outside and uses that knife to like ch- like hit the coral out of the, the engine and yeah. the knife just falls over the edge of the boat. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if Harry was still on that knife. That would suck. Was it was it Raish's knife that she dropped or was it I, like it, her own knife? I wasn't it looked, sure. It looked like the same knife. I could be wrong about this, but if I was like, I hope they didn't use Raish's knife for this coral <laughs> mission. That's what I was hoping. So, It'd be like, it's a nice yeah. memento to keep. Yeah. Well, we find out, uh, well, Harry finds out that Salvor is Gail's daughter. He's not thrilled about this like the grandpa we hope he'd be, you know? Yeah. But, uh, 
He's not. He's really still pissed at Gale, but he understands that if the ship doesn't get off the planet, the second foundation is doomed. And so he swallows his pride, his quantum pride, and and um, doesn't make a big deal about it. And you were right about something too, Zach. You were right that this Harry's consciousness on the planet of Synax is separate from the one in the vault on Terminus. So he does not recall having met Salvor before. This is a completely different split from that uh, Harry Seldon, which I find interesting. Yeah, I, I thought it was kind of funny to see that little dynamic. I'm uh, Salvor. We met on uh, Terminus, right? No, he, he has no idea. Which I guess I guess is a good thing, right? Foundation if, one can't know about number two. Yeah, it makes sense now as to why the Foundation's plan is so off course. It's because Gale stole the knife with Harry's consciousness on it. Yeah. And 138 years while the second Foundation should have been being formed is now derailed because that, that was valuable time that needed to be spent in forming that. Do you think she did that knowingly? Did, like, did she know, like, yes. I'm going to grab the knife and he's going to be in here? Or she, was it she just... She confirms that. Yeah, she confirms mm-hmm. that later in the episode with Salvor. She says, did you actually stop the second foundation from occurring? Like, did you did you do that? And she said, yes, I did. I was so caught up in being, and mad at him for uh, Raish's death and for taking Raish away from me that I did that. And, you know, can you really blame her? No, I mean, I'd be upset too, especially if he was still lying to my face and not telling me the exactly. whole truth. But Exactly. He kind of had, yeah. if he would have just told the truth, maybe that doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, which he does lambast himself for that in episode one when he's torturing himself. He says, if you, if I had told some people, you know, mm-hmm. just told one person. How about that? <laughs> Literally one. The one that probably mattered at this point. Yeah. On Trantor, we have the reunion of the brothers, so to speak. And there's a lot, there's a lot going down in Trantor, man. There's this weird dynamic with Demerzel to start. We, they, they did the memory audit of the brothers. They found nothing of note that they were behind the assassination, but Demerzel plants the seed of doubt yep. that they may have had this loophole where they technically don't remember that they planned the assassination. And the way Demerzel's acting like all giddy about preserving this affair and preserving the ability for Cleon the 17th to have this marriage. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder if she's not behind all of these things to destroy the empire herself because the assassination attempt was while they were having sex. Then she puts this wedge of distrust by planting that little seed that maybe the brothers were behind the assassination. Yeah. And then she, pr- she wants to promote this guy, Bell Rios, who we haven't met yet, similar to Hober Mallow. Uh, but he's very talked up that he's led... He's a very uh, decorated war veteran, so to speak. And his only knock is that he disobeyed the emperor and it ended ended up paying off for him. And now he has like this fleet and this army of people that listen to him. So he's a very influential military leader who the emperor sees as a threat to his rule. And here's Demerzel wanting to promote him with the very important mission of destroying the foundation on Terminus, which... Makes me question what the hell's going on with Demerzel here, and if she's not completely rogue at this point. Yeah, and you know it's it's too early for me to feel comfortable putting a bet on this, but I mean I that have would be been a wager. Saying, this would be a wager. It, it would be a Demerzel's hell of a wager, to. right? Like I, I I did say at the end of last season, and as we started getting into this season, that I felt like there was uh, going to be a, like a rift between Demerzel and what is now the Cleonic dynasty because it's not what she was initially set out to protect and I don't I I could totally see there being something going on from her at this point. There's a 
a portrait on the wall of this old emperor who's Cleon is talking about and talking about him to Demerzel. He's saying, this is before the Cleonic dynasty and it spanned over four times the length over time. So he's sort of using this as justification for his wanting a natural marriage, right? Yeah. But then Demerzel at the end is looking at this portrait in a way. And it kind of reminded me, because I don't know if she's looking at the king or whether she's looking at the servant looking straight ahead next to the king mm-hmm. or the servant who's not looking at him. And it kind of reminded me of uh, a good friend of mine. I was at his house for dinner and his dad had this interesting art piece that was of Jesus and all the dis- all the apostles, all the disciples sitting at yeah. the table. And he asked everybody, he, he had this like quiz with everybody that goes to the house. He would say, okay, uh, which one is Judas? And nobody could pretty much figure it out. I think only like there was one person there who figured it out on the day we were there. And if you pause the freeze frame here, you can see the uh, the servants of the king, right, on the mm-hmm. actual portrait here. And I don't know if this is going to be symbolic of anything here, but it just reminded me of this personal experience I had of seeing this art piece. If you see yeah. the way that the person guessed who was Judas was that everybody was looking at Jesus who was in the middle. And then you had the one guy who was looking away. Mm-hmm. And if you look if you look to the right, like everybody's kind of like looking away and then there's like one person looking straight ahead. I don't know what the symbolism here is, but when I looked at the person to the right of the emperor looking off, yeah. I was like I wonder if well, who Demerzel's looking at or who she's isolating on in this in this portrait and whether whether she is the one who's like looking away or whether she's the one who's actually loyal to the yeah. to the empire, which is, is interesting. That would be interesting. Do do you think she herself is in this painting? Is she portrayed she, in here? If she is anybody, the old Demerzel would have been the one to the left, uh, the left of the king, not our left. Yeah, the one who's looking straight Stage ahead, left. just yeah. just direct, steady. No, yeah. no, not folding inside. Her her gaze is the same as the emperor's gaze, you know. Mm-hmm. And then everyone else is kind of looking off in their own way, but yeah. Uh, I don't know. I she's acting very suspect, and there was even some beef between her and um, Sarath, the potential queen Sarath. Where yeah, when he mentions the marriage, she seems almost a little jealous, and then there's a little bit of enmity between them, and a little bit of uh, beef at the table. You know where she even steps towards Sarath when she asks to see the bodies in the jars. So yeah. I, who knows? Maybe Demerzel was going to come up and, and freaking kill this girl. But I mean, <laughs> that we would know be Dem- interesting. We know Demerzel's a walking, uh, killing machine. So, well, when when you've got this, what potential future queen literally talking about death of uh, death of your king or your empire at this point? I'd you know, I'd probably want to kill her too if I were Demerzel. I saw Sarah getting ahead of the the curve here. I thought she, she was bringing up all of the actual real issues. The real mm-hmm. implications of this marriage, which is true. She says, Don, what is your incentive here for this marriage? Your your life is pointless if <laughs> if I get married to day, which is actually true. Yeah. It is legitimately true. Your life, your whole point of day of Don, my bad, is to grow up to be day. Mm-hmm. To be the emperor. Yeah. And we and wouldn't have any more of that. Nobody's talking about it. Everybody's being nice to Sarah, but nobody's bringing up the fact that she represents the end of the Cleonic dynasty, so to speak. She says uh, suicide by procreation or death by procreation. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, you know? Yeah. I don't think that she's like bringing this out into the air to try and like clear things up or just, you know, start a normal conversation, though. It felt like everything about her is just like, it's rebellious. It's, uh, I mean, she's always trying to get under everybody's skin from what I can see. I like her. Uh, she mentions her unexploited womb. And then we also get mention of the fact that they are measuring the degrees. I think they said centimorgans. I think that's yeah, the- Yeah, centimorgans, I believe is what I read. Three centimorgans off from the precip- principium's DNA. So they're measuring how far off each one of them are from the principium. Is, yeah. Does he have a way of using her? Like, is having kids with her a way to return to the purity of the principium? Is that the- No. Right, it's no, to make I, his own kids, his own it's, kids it's, in his own it's image. To completely deviate from the Cleonic dynasty that existed in the past, right? Like uh, the the whole measurement of of centimorgans off, right? Is it allows them to fix that part of the DNA, as uh, Dusk mentions, right? Like that you're able to fix that part of the DNA, but you can't fix habit, right? Like you're now genetically, I guess the same right but i mean there's Mm -hmm. still parts of you like your brain like i guess the way that you develop is is going to be different and the the part that day was talking about with um you know sarith was well hey like we can take the best parts of us right like we can look at different versions of what could be and pick pick the most superior one right so i don't think it's going to go back to purity but it's going to be his own sort of rule yeah i it's interesting, right? Well, we know it fails because, well, we don't know certainly if it fails because it if, change, right? if the future can save Salvor from being dead, then it can also change and the Empire might still thrive. But mm-hmm. um, let's get to the beggar. There's a weird bit that happens in this. We, we'll go deeper in this in the deep dive episode, but the show was using this consciousness, this gift that Gale has almost as like the force. She's yeah. able to direct this consciousness of hers to whatever point in time that she needs. And she can use almost like Eleven from Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. When she, Eleven submerges herself in water to get into that like salt bath type of, yeah. uh, you know. Uh, uh, Projective state. Yeah. I don't know what to I don't call know it. what you would call that. But <laughs> she can get to like, like that flow state she needs to to activate her powers. Mm-hmm. Gail does that here by nearly killing herself without oxygen in order to have this vision into the future. But I think the show's really trying to do as good of a job as they can to keep the audience connected to each of the timelines. It's very difficult to tell a story, I would imagine, over a thousand year timeline and to yeah. make you care about these characters because we're switching them up so often. Yeah, well, I mean, we saw how difficult it was to tell a story over like a hundred plus years in the last season. So yeah, it would be extremely difficult here. You know, the nice thing that I noticed is we didn't get like too much of this whole like time jump and that we're telling like yes. full stories from different times. But there is there are different methods of traveling in this season than there was in the last one. It seems like this whole like, uh, you know, cryogenic sleep or whatever you want to call it, like 
there are these devices now that it's, it's on cleric's arm and the the other brother uh, the female that that's with him when they go on this ship and it helps them travel and then now we're also getting gail's well, we ability did, to kind of mentally jump into the future and well we things. did get an uh, a reference of that from hugo in season one when he makes when he survives the jump mm-hmm. he says he got one of those sleeping um it's like a jump sleeping sticker or pad whatever yeah it's a patch yeah a patch there you go that's the word i'm looking for um so those existed in season one we just never saw them visually uh yeah. in season one which it's cool that they're actually expanding and showing us the things that they're talking about rather than just telling us in this season um i was told i was informed that the cryogenic sleep situation mm-hmm. is a plot device to connect these stories right because uh, we pretty much got confirmation that Gale is going to be, for whatever existence this show has, Gale probably is around for most of it, no matter what timeline it is. So, I imagine. And it seems Salvor will be as well. As for uh, poor old Hugo... <laughs> I think I was right on that one. I mean... I mean Salvor even that into Hugo? Right, right now. So, she, she doesn't even mention Hugo, like, ever. Does she even like Hugo? Well, she mentioned him in this episode. Yeah, but not like the way Gail it was. Talks I mean, about not Rach. not like that that she was in love with him or anything. Not like she Gail she simply mentions Rach. like, yeah, I used to like find my way back with from his voice. But I, yeah, I don't know where her connection with Hober Mallow is, but you know she has yeah. that sort of intuition, right? Yeah. And when she said when they said Hober Mallow, she said his name in a way that made me feel that she's connected to him somehow in the future. Salvor. So interesting. And if we looked into the future, we saw that Gale is, seems to be leading some warriors against whatever battle this yeah. is, right? She doesn't seem like the best warrior because the way she rushes the mule isn't the most uh, combat savvy. But yeah, yeah, she needed Salvor for that. What do you think of the storyline of the Red Priestess on Savena? 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 Um, it. It's interesting. It's not at all what I was expecting. Me neither. I, like it was. How do how do I say it? I mean, it, it just wacky. felt like cheap cheap ma- Yeah, it was like cheap magic. It was just yes. Like <laughs> you're, you're you're trying to trick people into this, these things. I was like, what what world am I in right now? What am I watching? But uh, I mean, it it's interesting to see uh, to see Polly still in this. That's what I was thinking. I was like, how can you morally just trick people into a fake religion? You know, yeah. no, somebody out there is probably like super cynical about it, but they're pretty gullible too, though. Yes, oh, yeah, I want yeah. to know. I yeah. want to know. <laughs> well, what did you be? I mean, this planet looks backwards and then you yeah. get uh, out of nowhere. Daytime turns to night. You get a spotlight on these people. It's literally like a Vegas show of what's going yeah. on here. And I'm still thrown by like the cowboy hats in this. Like yeah, where that did threw, that come from? That threw me completely. I would have preferred yeah. that this wasn't a western but there's a weird guy there with the orange stripes on his shirt that they kept showing he is not from there i would assume that he might be an empire plant he's spying for the empire is that uh harbor marrow mallow how do you how do you pronounce that name no we don't we don't know who harbor mallow is but he i don't think he's gonna be an old guy like that i think he'll be a young Uh, guy okay yeah I'm, i'm i'm still thrown by this i wonder how long ago the empire pulled their support from this planet harbor mallow has to exist because if Harry's asking for him at the end of the episode, and we can skip to that because it's the most interesting scene of the episode. The vault is alive. Polly's been called back to the planet. He's mad because 
essentially Warden Jaeger here, who has a really cool name, Warden Jaeger. That's a dope name. <laughs> uh, reminds me of uh, Attack on Titan, uh, Eden Jaeger. But uh, he is the Warden now of Terminus, and he's stoked. The, the vault's open. It's activated. He's, mm-hmm. you know, worshiping Harry here. And he lifts up in this horrifying fashion because the show's taking a dark turn. Okay? Oh, yeah, it is. And all these people have been waiting for a sign of their prophet for years. And the one guy who gets one starts freaking having these visions and screaming out horrifically to get somebody who nobody knows, Hober Mallow. Which, by the way, this show just killed a pretty well-known actor, it seems like. I don't know if this guy survived this being burned alive thing. I don't um, think so, man. This guy just like fried to down to the skeletons. Yeah, he's got to be dead. But it's interesting to me, once again, that Apple does this thing with these well-known actors. It's and crazy. they're just killing them off in the most insane ways. Yeah. Well, I mean, we killed Jared Harris off in like what, episode two of last season? Part, part of me thinks that the showrunners of this show, like the creators, are using the world building of Foundation but then combining modern hit fantasy world building uh, elements from other series mm. to try to create their own uh, really riveting piece. Because everyone I've talked to who's read Foundation, and admittedly we have not, yep. they say Foundation never focuses on the characters. If there's anything we know about any show that's successful today is that it's character driven. It's always character centric. Mm-hmm. You don't want to show this just a timeline of of these characters that you have no emotional attachment to we wouldn't be covering it as a podcast if it was like that no uh but you notice like there's just certain things that just immediately call out to other things that just remind me of like game of thrones like you know the red priestess we open up this episode and there's like a chick in a red robe and i'm like oh it's it's the red priestess imagery you know not that she's Mm -hmm. anything like the red priestess from game of thrones but then you have the mule and then you have this hyped up villain hober mallow that doesn't even seem like a real name the mule is like a fake name. You know, it's these people and there's this mystery to these villains now, right? Yeah. We're, getting pro- we're getting prophecies and mysteries of, of deaths that we're now trying to, to uh, stop. You know, we're getting uh, teased at the existence of something deeper than, you know, material life, right? With the prime mm-hmm. radiant, that the woman who represents the prime radiant in, in episode one. Um, just lots of intriguing things that go beyond what the novels made there but feels like it's honoring the actual book itself from what i know of it from the from all the fans out there and i haven't heard one person who's read the book who hasn't also said in follow-up that yeah this is probably a better direction to go than the than the series itself so (laughs) interesting now i i am really liking this i think the one thing i might be a little disappointed in is i think some of those cool scenes that we saw from the trailer might just be a lot of like projections on gail's side i hope they don't overuse it like i I really want to see them venture into these places i don't think so i think that that these things will occur uh it's just a matter of they're setting up everything right now still and i think Mm -hmm. probably next episode will (laughs) things will start ramping up if i had to guess it would probably be next episode of the one after but yeah. um, all the set pieces are there now. Like, there's nothing. All right, we have. Think about it, and we'll we'll wrap up the instant reaction with this. They're off Synax, so now they're going to head to the planet of Ignis, which is going to be that's where the second foundation is. So that's where they're heading. Yeah. Okay. So now the second foundation is is going to get started. You have the marriage on Trantor that's almost certain to happen in the next couple of episodes, if if we had to guess, mm-hmm. unless once again another actor 
dies out of nowhere. <laughs> um, Hopefully not. Which I wouldn't be surprised if Queen Sarah dies for some reason because it doesn't seem like anybody there besides uh, Cleon the Seventeenth wants her there. Mm-hmm. And on Terminus, they're awaiting war. It seems like the Empire spies are already all over the Outer Reach because that guy was certainly a spy who they kept showing and was recording things. He kept on touching his neck and stuff like that. He's a narc. Yeah. Um, they're mobilizing for battle, right? And we have now this conflict where now we have to get 150 years later to this battle that's going to occur. So all the pieces are, are in place. It's just now everything's in motion at this point. I do wonder how Paulie's going to come into play in this, though. With is, He might be the only living person that Salvor knows at this point. Oh, that's that's a good point, yeah. I, I wonder, I guess he just, like, was what, cryogenic sleeping or something for a while. That's how he's still alive. That would be my guess. It seems like but, nobody knows who Hober Mallow is on Terminus either because yeah. uh, Cermak, who's in charge of the Foundation, his daughter, they don't mention her name, I don't believe, but um, she doesn't know who he is. If you can pull up her name, maybe we can find it and I can just say it. I will take a... Uh... Take a look. I don't think they say it though. Maybe intentionally. Yeah, I think she's unnamed. I wonder well, how Terminus bounces. I wonder how Terminus bounces back from this simply because you've been waiting for this vault to open and they literally Harry literally torched your warden in front of you. Like that you don't go back to worshiping Harry after that, I would assume. Well, the thing that I was wondering was was it Harry? Right, like, like, is there like some other like spirit or something there? Because he he just like graffitied all over his little vault there. It seems like a like a a very large, uh, difference between the previous Harry that we saw that was all happy and excited and look at you all, you're so great, you're coming together, and then Harry comes back and he just freaking fries your warden. I don't. It it felt like um. Like the Indiana Jones movie, the Ark of the Cove with, with the Ark of the Covenant, where you couldn't see the thing, you can't know the truth. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Isabella Laughlin, who plays the girl in the red robe on Sewena mm-hmm. or Sibena, the brother, the yeah brother or whatever they call her, um, she is unnamed on IMDb, and I she's the only person in this episode who is unnamed. So I do wonder how that comes into play. I am so tempted to click on over to episode three just to see, <laughs> just to see who Holber Mallow is, but I'm not going to do it. Don't do it. do it. It's funny that you mentioned Harry Potter at the beginning of the uh, episode because she's in like a few of the Harry Potter movies. Who does she play? She plays Leanne. Leanne? Who's not, Leanne? Not a, not a character I'm very familiar with, but a character in the, uh, the later movies. Leanne. Who's, yeah. What is her relation to who? I'd have to look it up. No, but you remember her. What scenes is she in? in well, the... I'm looking at the I'm looking at the IMDb. You got to do the research after the after the Instagram action. I wonder if she's. Yeah, I, I don't remember her from there. She's not a major character in Harry Potter. No, not that not that I remember. I think she's the side character, but she's in it. That's awesome. Well, yeah. you know, it's there's definitely similarities, man. I there's something just so classy about the British accent just in general, mm-hmm. that when you go to this foreign planet and she, her and she just has this British accent, it's like, as an American, for me, I feel like I'm in a different place. So maybe mm-hmm. that's why I don't want them to have just like an American accent. I don't know if that, mm-hmm. occur, if that occurs for you as well, you know? 
Yeah, no, I, I like I like the accents. I, I'm not a huge fan of, of hearing our American accent that much. Let me see. I like okay, that so extra little bit of polish and everything else. So she's in the Half Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows. She um, was a friend of Katie Bell and was sorted into Hufflepuff at the same time as Harry Potter. You know, did did you also notice uh, earlier in the episode that they domesticated a claw? Yes, that was Becky. Yeah. Becky, the bishop's claw, which it took me a moment to realize that, that was the bishop's claw. Same. It was ve- it was very calm. I was like, what is this new creature? Yeah. Oh, it's the same thing we saw before. Yeah. Well, all right, let's wrap up the instant reaction. Thank you all for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed episode two of The Foundation titled A Glimpse of Darkness. We hope you're enjoying the show. We also hope that you're giving a chance to our new series coverage of Invasion Season 1 as we get ready for Invasion Season 2 premiering on August 23rd. We're doing a bonus midweek series on that show, which we think is right up your alley if you enjoy Foundation, if you enjoyed Silo, all those types of shows. If you haven't watched it yet, it's one of my favorites, if not my favorite on Apple TV currently. Mm. And yeah, we just started Episode 1, so let us know what you think. Please email us at con- uh, soapbox.house with yeah, any of right. your thoughts on the shows we're covering. If you have any ideas for shows you'd like us to cover that we can take into consideration and what you think of our invasion series. We definitely want some feedback on that as we, as we ramp up coverage there. And as always, there is a good percentage of you out there who listen to the show, but do not subscribe for whatever reason, whatever mysterious Hober Melonian reason that is out there. If you're enjoying it, <laughs> Please hit subscribe, comment, leave us a rating. It really helps us with the search engines, algorithms that are out there and from the rogue demerzels who seek to, I don't know. To just Plant conspi- bad seeds in your head. Conspire against us. <laughs> conspire against empire. Yeah. All right, Zach, to your outro. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Foundation from Story Archives. You can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. We are on YouTube at Soapbox Podcast Network. You can visit our website at soapbox.house, email us at contact at soapbox.house, and there is a link in the description below to join our newsletter. So we hope to see you on there. All right, y'all. Thank you for tuning in. We will see you on Sunday night for our deep dive. But until then, please respect and enjoy the peace. I will forever love that.